This episode is brought to you by Parent Educate, Every Plate, and Thrive Cosmetics. Thank you for making our show a possibility. How you doing, E? I'm great. Yeah? I'm really great. I mean, when I'm doing this type of stuff, I'm happy. Yeah, me too. This is fun. So you guys, you have to know, E is here with me, helping me with the intro. I have just, I drove out to the Jers. That's what I call it. Jersey. Jersey, the greatest state in the country. I, Come ooh, on, y'all. I don't know about that, but I did. I drove out to Jersey so E and I could be in person together doing this intro. And it's very exciting because we're hanging out together for the first time in this virtual world we live in. <laughs> we gave each other hugs and we saw each other in person. It's like, oh, you are a real person, not a Brady Bunch box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm nice. going to be honest here. I was like a little bit afraid that he was going to be a lot, a lot taller than me because you all know that I'm really short. And I look funny when I'm standing next to somebody who's really tall. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, I hope he is not like six foot two because we're gonna make a funny pair the two of us i would have loved to have been six foot two that would have made me the happiest person in the oh, world man but anyway we're we're here in person together and it's fun yes at my studio yeah. in union i don't think i've ever been to union new, new jersey it's it's very cute it's a very cute town and i definitely definitely took some wrong turns getting here because the jersey turnpike is one of the most confusing highways in the land <laughs> We don't do good sign here. We don't give good sign. No. Our signs sneak up on you. And then there's the jug handle, which means if you want to turn left, you got to go right to turn I know. Left. That's a whole thing. And people, yeah, it's a real thing. And people don't get it. No. Anyway. <laughs> they I just don't get it. No. And I don't get it. I don't get it. And then also it says go straight. But then there's like three forks in the road. And I'm like, well, which one is straight? I don't understand. Where do I go? And how do we go straight? We, we can, can go gaily go forward. We can go oh. forward, not straight. That's something they say about San Francisco. In San Francisco, you don't say go straight. You say go forward. All right. Well, let's move on. We have to say a, yes. a, a special thank you to our newest Patreon members. We got three. Boop, 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 boop. We got three new ones. This is where this is where I always butcher names. So we're going to do our best. Uh, okay. We have to say a huge thank you to Elizabeth Staver. Yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah, Elizabeth. I don't Elizabeth, think I messed that one up. Thank you so much. Yes, Elizabeth. That was great. You did a good job. You okay. want me to try mm -hmm. the next one? Try the next one. A special thanks to you, Hannah Katharina. I think that sounds good. It could be Hannah Katharina or Katharina. Katharina. It's a pretty Ooh, name pretty. either way. And thank you so much, Hannah. And this is the one I'm not sure about. A huge thank you to Emily Bouter. I think I said it right. Bouter? Bouter. Bouter. Emily Botter. Botter. Either way, Emily, you rock. And thank you <laughs> thank so you, much. Thank you, Emily. Yay. Sorry about butchering your name. Yes. We're doing our best. I don't even, we're doing yeah. our best yes, over we are. here. I always say we know nothing. We know nothing. But, <laughs> but we're so happy to have you. And if you want to help us make this content for LGBTQ families, you also can join our Patreon community and do just that. You're going to do a good thing and you're going to get bonus content. And at the gestational carrier level, because we named all our levels, um, <laughs> It uh, always uh, makes fertility me Fertility doctor thingies. <laughs> You're going to get video right. interviews of most episodes, and those are dropped a day early, so you get to be, like, in the know before everybody else. <laughs> Ooh, that's a special perk. That's Go to fun. Patreon, y'all. All sign up. Go to patreon.com slash ovaries talk to join. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Okay. All right. So now I know you, I told you guys that E is going to help me finish out this season. But E, you were not in this interview with me because cause it was all scheduled before you actually 
um, agreed to come on and help me finish out the season. So this interview is just me and our guest, Joelle, talking about yes. her story. And E, I got to tell you, this story is really good. So Joelle lives in Taiwan. She's American and her wife, May, is Taiwanese. They just had a little baby boy. And the coolest thing is they did it just about the naturalist, queer way you can do it. Like the, the natural queer couple way. It's really cool. And oh, you guys are going to love to hear their story. And then now they're having some issues with their son's um, citizenship. They want him to have dual citizenship. But you, you have to be born from a Taiwanese mother in order to get Taiwanese citizenship. And Joelle, wow. the American, is the one who gave birth. So they're doing all these crazy, they have these loopholes they're having to try to go through. And anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I'm butchering it and it's not my story. So what we should do is have Helen. Do you know Helen? He? Yes. Hey, Helen. How are you? <laughs> she, well, she's not going to want to talk to you right now. She's in a grumpy oh, mood. She's not, <laughs> Poor Helen. No, Helen. Helen is overworked and underpaid and like Helen, the rest of us. Helen doesn't do anything. <laughs> so I don't know how could she could possibly say she's overworked. All we have to do is say, <laughs> Helen, please roll the tape. And I'm going to ask E if you could just ask Helen in the nicest way possible to roll the tape. And maybe she'll do it. Maybe she's, she's going to do okay, it. Okay. I'm gonna ask, We're going to ask okay. Helen. <laughs> Helen. Will you roll the tape? God, she's doing it. She's doing it. You guys, she's doing it. Oh, thank you, Helen. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Joelle. Hi, Jamie. Hi. It is so wonderful to be speaking with you. I'm very excited. I've been listening for a long time. I know. I know. You reached out actually when you were, I think you were six months pregnant. Yeah, and I'd been thinking about reaching out even before then. Wow, wow. And that's how long it's taken, because now you have a baby. <laughs> yes, we have a baby. And how old is your baby now? Uh, almost three months. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah, and actually, we were supposed to be recording a couple months ago. I think we'd scheduled it for like February 2nd, and my due date mm-hmm. was February 9th. And I said to Robin at the time, we'll see if the, this works, um, oh or God. if I'm too uncomfortable, or if the baby comes early. And then I messaged a couple of days before the interview to say, well, the baby came, so let's baby reschedule. Came. Yep, the baby came. The baby came and the baby looks good. And I just yeah. met your wife, May, who just went upstairs to put the baby to sleep because you are coming in all the way from Taiwan. Yep. And it's a 12-hour time difference. 12 hours. So it is 10 a.m. for me and 10 p.m. for you. So I know you're <laughs> yeah. tired because after 8 p.m. I'm done. I'm 100% finished. Yeah. Well, at this point, the baby kind of fits with our schedule more. So we've been going to bed later and waking up later because we both work from home. So that's what works for us. Let's get right into it. So the listeners know all about you in a nutshell. You got your elevator pitch. Oh, my God, I got to put the timer up. That was usually what Robin did. You know, you get 30 seconds. I will not stop you. You know the deal. And I feel like you're a seasoned listener. So you have it all figured out. Are you ready? I'm ready. On your mark. Get set. Hi, uh, I'm Joelle, and I'm American, and my wife, May, is Taiwanese. We live in Taiwan, which is the first and still the only country in Asia to legalize same-sex marriage, and we got married here on the first day that it was legal in 2019. We met and built a life together in a rural farming community here, um, and last year I got pregnant via home insemination with a known donor, uh, and three months ago we welcomed our son into the world. Uh, There are actually still a lot of holes in Taiwan's same-sex marriage law, and because of that, our son isn't a Taiwanese citizen, even though he was born here, to a Taiwanese mother. Uh, We're still fighting to get him the dual citizenship that he would already have if we were a straight couple. Boom. That was amazing. 
there was a lot. You had to pack in a lot to that. We have a <laughs> lot to, to dig into here because your story is, once again, very unique, very intentional, and very special. So first of all, how did you end up in Taiwan? <laughs> that's, um, that's where I want to go first. Good question. Um, yes. Yeah, I actually started studying Chinese in high school. Um, mm -hmm. And I did that all through college. And uh, my plan was to be a Chinese teacher. So I came to Taiwan to do a master's degree in teaching Chinese as a second language. But then I left school. I quit school and uh, joined a queer farming community, um, a queer farming group called Land Dyke. Um, and then I wound up. Yeah. And then I wound up just deciding to stay in Taiwan. So there's a queer farming community in Taiwan? Well, Landike was a group. Um, it was like four or five people when I joined. And it's still going on, but I actually left. Um, it was a little bit of a mess and a little complicated, um, but they're all great people. But there are actually a lot of lesbian farmers uh, in the area around us. None of them have kids. Um, but right, yeah, it's, right. it's quite common to have lesbian couples in our area farming. Wow, I'm learning so much. So you are not alone there. Yeah, we actually have a really great queer community. There aren't many gay guys, um, but so we live in a community where most of the people um, who I refer to as our community are young people who moved here from other parts of Taiwan, often cities, and they quit city jobs and decided to come here to start. It's kind of an intentional community kind of a thing, but it's not um, formally structured. So it's just people that moved to this specific township um, in rural Taiwan and have started farming using eco-friendly and organic methods. And there's a really high proportion of lesbians. I think a lot more people know about Taiwan now because it became the first country in Asia to legalize same-sex marriage, which is amazing. Right. Which is so huge. Okay, so take it to how you, you met your wife, May. Was she in the lesbian farming community? No, she wasn't. My wife actually, um, she moved to this area about a year before I did. Um, I moved here to start farming and she moved here to start doing a radio show. So it, it was actually a podcast, but then she also got on the radio um, about farming and the community. So we actually met at a community event um, and then wow. she interviewed me. Ah, uh, uh, that old story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. My wife had no idea she was a lesbian when we met. Oh. Yeah, we got, we became friends um, and got to know each other. And then I developed feelings more than friendship and it took mm -hmm. her a little bit longer um, to accept them, but ultimately she did. Atta girl. Yeah. <laughs> but that must've been hard because, well, it sounds like there's a lot of lesbians there, but I was under the impression that there wasn't as much of a queer community in Taiwan or in Asia in general. And that's probably really naive and well, ignorant of me. I think it's more open and um, accepted in Taiwan than anywhere else in Asia, which is why, mm -hmm. you know, we succeeded in having same sex marriage passed. And the funny thing is that my wife actually was really connected to the LGBTQ community in Taiwan because mm -hmm. she'd been doing a podcast about the HIV AIDS community for, uh, I think by the time we met, it was already six years. It's been more than 10 years now that she's been doing that podcast. Um, wow. And so she had, my wife actually once um, was a co-host of Taipei Pride. And during all this wow. time, she thought she was straight. <laughs> it happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, by the time my wife figured it out, a lot of her past made more sense. Let's just uh -huh. say that. Things fall into place. Things fall yeah. into place. So you guys fall in love and then same-sex marriage passes. What was that like? Well, for me, it was, it was huge because um, I actually wasn't sure how I was going to stay in Taiwan at that point. 
I had mm-hmm. been extending my student status. I had already uh-huh. quit school, but I was continuing to pay tuition, which is not super expensive in Taiwan, thankfully. And I continued wow. to like keep my status as a student to have my visa. Um, but I didn't know how long I could keep doing that for. And we already knew that it was coming uh, because the way that Taiwan passed same-sex marriage was kind of weird. Um, it was a Supreme Court decision, but the mm-hmm. Supreme Court gave a two-year period for the legislature to actually pass a law. Uh-huh. So we knew in 2017 that it was going to happen, but we uh-huh. didn't actually know exactly how it was going to happen, like what law they would pass. Um, right. And there were some crazy uh, drafts on the table from the more conservative legislators. That's what I was going to ask. Was there a yeah, pushback? They like, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Big time. And they tried to pass a law that would be like, if your cousin or your aunt objects to your union, then you can't get married. Like, it was that ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> because they knew wow. they had no choice but to pass it because they couldn't um, go around the Supreme Court decision. But they wanted right. to pass, like, the worst same-sex marriage law that they possibly could. Ultimately, mm-hmm. that's not what wound up happening. Um, but it was kind of more of a middle-of-the-ground law that wound up getting passed. So it wasn't perfect, and it's still not perfect. And there are actually still a lot of problems with the law. So, for example, same-sex couples can't adopt children that aren't related to one of the spouses. So we can do uh-huh. second-parent adoption of our spouse's biological child, but we can't um, adopt another child. Um, hmm. Yeah, so... <sighs> That's just one of the issues. And there's still a lot of court fights uh, going on to try to complete the law. But when it finally passed, you guys were like, let's do it. And May had like come fully around and was like, we're going to live this lifestyle. This is this is this is us. And yeah, absolutely. Let's get married. I mean, she came around pretty quickly. And by the time the law got passed, we'd been together for three years. And we actually mm-hmm. got married in the U.S. Um, about six months before that, because we had a feeling that Um, there were going to be some problems on the way or some obstacles on the way to actually getting the law passed. So we thought, okay, Mm -hmm. let's just get married in the U.S. first um, so that in case things don't go so smoothly, uh, we can have at least a a certificate of marriage from the U.S. to to like put in people's faces and be like, we're actually married, make us married legally in Taiwan. That didn't wind up happening. Um, But it was it was easier because um, there are also processes for a foreigner to marry a Taiwanese person. You have to like get a proof of being single, a uh, certificate from your original country and all of that. So it made it a they lot make faster. Those? They make yeah. a certificate of singlehood? Yeah, because if you could have a wife or a right. husband in your home country and that's technically, you're not, you know, they don't allow polygamy. So right. anyway, it made it a lot faster and easier. Um, and so we actually wound up being the first same-sex couple to get married um, in our township which is really cool. And it was just such an exciting day uh, for all of Taiwan. So to have that be our anniversary, like a day that all of Taiwan, well, at least all of our community, there are definitely people who weren't celebrating that day. But uh, it's really cool (laughs) to have this sense of like celebrating as a country. That is so cool. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Okay, E, are you familiar with Thrive Cosmetics? I've heard of them, but I haven't used them yet. Oh, you should. I love Thrive Cosmetics. They make high-performance beauty and skincare products, and they're made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. And here's why I love them. They use no parabens, sulfates, or phthalates, and they're certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. I feel like you would like that. I feel like you would. This sounds great. Sounds like something my wife would use. It's really great. I love them. I'm all about clean skincare, and I'm very into their brilliant eye brightener. That genius highlighter stick helps me look like I've had plenty of restful sleep, even when I haven't, which is every day. 
I look tired a lot, but that eye brightener stick hides it very well. Very well. And you never look tired to me. It's because I'm wearing that eye brightener. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thrive Cosmetics. I see you. Yeah. I highly recommend that. And I also recommend pairing it with their Defying Gravity Eye Lifting Cream. Then I'm good to go. I don't look tired, just like E said. What intrigues me about Thrive Cosmetics is their bigger than beauty promise. So for every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive. Women emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, fighting cancer, and more. That's hot. That is hot. And folks, now is a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Because right now you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash OCT. That's right, America. Thrive Cosmetics. C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S. Woo! Dot com. Forward slash OCT. For 15% off your order. 15% off. Go to Thrive Cosmetics, guys. Go now. So you get married. Um, you've been married a little while. And then baby? Baby pops in the mind? Well, baby popped into mind before we got married. Um, I, oh, yeah. I'm one of those people who's always wanted to have kids. And mm-hmm. um, I knew from very early on that my wife loved kids as much as I did. But um, mm-hmm. since she's quite a bit older than me and she had thought that she was straight and was just happier being single for some reason, she had kind of thought that babies weren't going to be in, in her future. Um, mm-hmm. Like that time had passed. So like very early on in our relationship, uh, she knew that I wanted kids a lot. And she said something very early on, like, if you were to have a baby, I'd love that baby a lot. Oh, um, yeah. And, and like in the early days of our relationship, we would we literally took our friend's three year old on dates with us. Like we would just babysit as a date. You take mine. I will send yeah. them on that 24 hour plane ride right to you. Yeah. Well, we actually even once um, a few years ago, babysat for our friends, two kids for two whole weeks because they want to do a research trip to Argentina. Holy shit. Yeah. I am sending my kids. Yeah, we're that into kids. Um, so oh it's God. always been on the table for us. And can I, how long did you know you were gay and th- that was never an obstacle for you? Yeah, it really wasn't. I, I came out to everyone um, at, I came out to myself at 16. Um, and mm-hmm. by that point, everyone had already known for years, but yeah. I didn't figure it out until then. Um, <laughs> my mom says that she knew when I was seven. Really? Yeah. And I had always known that I wanted kids. And I was really, really lucky that coming out and realizing who I was never got in the way of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I actually really attribute that to the fact that my mom had a high school friend who is married to a woman and has two kids. And we were taken to visit them as kids. Um, Mm -hmm. So I always knew about those two boys that had two moms. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it was always a thing that I knew could happen. And I never had that moment of like panic. What if I can't have a family because I'm gay? Right. That's why representation matters so much, right? Yeah. So much. So you guys know you want to have kids. And what do you do? What's the plan? Well, uh, so I mentioned before the um, adoption is not on the table in Taiwan because it's not covered in the law. Actually, some people get divorced so that they can do single adoption and then get married again once the adoption goes through. Yeah. Or people are putting off marriage if they know that they want to adopt because you can only adopt as a single individual. Wow. And then. And then once you get remarried, can the other spouse nope. adopt? You, nope. the, it's like still yeah. off the, like, 
Wow, yeah, what but, a crazy, I mean, I think, silly loophole. I think that this is the thing that's going to change the fastest because there have already been a few successful court cases. It just hasn't mm-hmm. set a precedent that's changed the law yet. Are there a lot of adoptions that happen in Taiwan? Um, it's not as prevalent as it is in the U.S., um, but there are a lot of kids that need to be adopted. So mm-hmm. um, it's really unfortunate that they're preventing loving families from being able to do so. Right. Um, so we, but I, I had always known that I wanted to have, um, I wanted to get pregnant and have a baby myself. Um, mm-hmm. And in Taiwan, the other hole in the law um, is that we actually don't have access to fertility services here as same-sex couples. Oh right, um, yeah. Go into that because yeah, that is so really in Taiwan. Um, single women actually don't even have access to fertility services. Like you can freeze your eggs as a single woman, but you have mm-hmm. to come back with a husband to be able to use them. You have to prove that you are a married heterosexual couple that has fertility issues in order to have access to fertility services. But Taiwan actually has some of the best fertility services of anywhere in Asia. And there are couples from other countries that come here to use those services, but we can't have access to any of it. Let me ask a question. I want to know, how does a heterosexual couple prove that they're infertile? How do you how do you prove that's a good question? Yeah, I really don't know. Do you have somebody come into your bedroom and make sure you're doing it? (laughs) Every night, like, how do you I'm prove sure this? I'm sure you don't. Right, exactly. You can't, but we have to prove it. Yep, there's a whole lot more that we have to prove. <laughs> I mean, exactly. So we knew that um, using a sperm, uh, an anonymous sperm donor wasn't an option available to us. So mm-hmm. basically, um, lesbian couples in Taiwan have two choices if they want to have a biological child. Uh, one is do the DIY method, you know, finding a known donor and doing it yourself at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other option is to go abroad. And the crazy thing is that the countries that um, lesbian couples have been going to to do it have been changing because I think it was once Thailand and then Thailand like outlawed it for gay couples. And then they started really? going to Cambodia. Yeah, I, I'm not, I might be a little bit um, shaky on the details, but there have been like changes in the countries that you can go to because at some point they realize, oh, there are lesbians coming to make babies here. We don't want that. And they actually like right. cancel making it's that. It's a really rocky landscape. We take yeah. five steps forward and then we take six steps back. It's so yeah. rocky and it's ever changing. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, but actually a lot of people go to the US, uh, but the cost right. of that, like you can, you know very well what the cost of it yes. is, what it is when you live in the US and when you live nearby to your fertility services. But when you have right. to have a plane ticket and- hotels in addition to that and the other thing is stay until you get pregnant and if you do um you know if you do what's it called iui as opposed to going straight to ivf then you have to go every month until you succeed exactly so you have no idea when you start how much it's going to be um and so because of that a lot of couples will just go straight to ivf because at least you know that the odds of succeeding on one trip for that one plane ticket cost and one you know batch of hotels is going to be your your rate of success is going to be higher but here right. I am thinking, I'm 28, 29, and yeah. I presumably have no fertility issues. Why mm-hmm. should I be going to the U.S., which is a country I'm already going to every year to see my family? Um, why should I go and do that and have my entire trip be just about, you know, fertility and getting pregnant and all of that I mean, when I conceivably exactly. could get pregnant really easily, you Quite know, the, the so-called natural way or, you know, as long as I get, have access to sperm. The queer natural way. Exactly. Um, but like, and, and also you're talking about possibly with the airfare and the hotel and the treatment. I mean, you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars, 20000 exactly. $30,000. Easy. Yeah. Easy. So it wasn't an option that was really financially viable um, to us. Right. And 
it just didn't make sense to me to go through all of that. Um, and the idea that we could try and succeed the so-called queer natural way at home without all of that expense was just a lot more appealing to me. Do you, I want to know, do you know, I know you have a strong uh, lesbian community, but do you know, have a strong lesbian parenting community? Do you know folks who have gone the different routes over there? So we actually didn't, bef like we didn't just naturally have lesbian family friends. Um, we only actually knew uh, one couple with kids in our county and we were introduced to them because we were thinking about having kids. Mm -hmm. But there's an organization called the um, Taiwan LGBT Family Rights Advocacy Organization. And they have events all around Taiwan where they bring queer families together and they do all kinds of information sessions. And the amazing thing is that they actually have this, um, like you can schedule a free consultation with them where you talk about all of your thoughts and plans for making your family and they tell you, you know, the legal issues and the options available, and they can even connect you to the fertility clinics in the U.S. or wherever and connect you to other families. Um, and they also have um, like a free legal consultation partnership with this queer law firm. So this organization just made everything so much easier for us. They connected us to all the resources we needed, and they like reminded us about all of the, all of the risks and the things that we needed to consider in taking our path. If you were a straight couple going through this, would, it, would the fertility treatments be paid for? Like, um, that's actually a good question. I don't know the details, but I think it was last year, actually, that a new law was passed that subsidizes it. So I wow. think it didn't used to be, but everything in Taiwan is a lot um, less expensive than in the U.S. We have amazing right. nationalized health care. Um, so it wasn't going to be as crazy expensive in the first place, but there's actually now a subsidy for it because Taiwan actually has the lowest, literally number one lowest birth rate of any country in the world. Oh, really? Taiwanese people are not having babies. Oh, yeah. So wow. the idea that they don't make it easy for the queer people to have babies is just ridiculous. I mean, you know what, Taiwan, you need to get on board with the queers and we will all move there and we will start some <laughs> queer farming communities and we will build your population up. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I think the reason that it's not happening is because the conservatives are afraid of that happening. Right. They don't want a whole queer nation. Wouldn't that be cool, though? Oh, my yeah. God. Let's all move to Taiwan and create the queer nation. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful there. Yeah, it's beautiful. OK, yeah, we actually have a female president who there are rumors that she may or may not be a lesbian because she's never been married and she loves I cats. She is. <laughs> I just love that, you know, that she loves cats. Yeah, well, she posts pictures of her cats on social media. I love this president. I'm going to start following this president. <laughs> I, I'm learning so much. America, ever want more for your buck? Every plate is America's best value meal kit with delicious dinners that don't break the bank. Plus, we have a discount for you that will get to you in a minute. I love it. Every plate, my favorite meal kit service. It really is. Because here's why. Every plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients. And now is the perfect time to focus on saving money easily. We can put that money towards creating summer memories. We got to save for those vacations. Absolutely. And we all want to save money, right? Mm -hmm. And one meal from Everplate is about the same price as, I don't know, a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. And recipes come together in about, I'd say about 25 to 30 minutes. Definitely mm -hmm. faster than a trip to the grocery store and starting a meal from scratch. Yeah, I made their farmer's market penne with lemon and parmesan mm -hmm. and zucchini and yellow squash the other night. It was delicious. Even the Yum. kids liked it. I mean, they ate vegetables. And it wow. took only 30 minutes. And I didn't have to waste any time dithering around in a grocery store trying to decide what to make. I 
hate the grocery store. I can never make up my mind. I really hate the grocery store. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah. Save that time you waste shopping and be more productive. I made this sweet chili chicken with scallion rice, zesty carrots the other night, right? And my son, oh, he kind of helped, but he loved the food. He loved to eat it. He wasn't too helpful, but he tried. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that he loves it. Makes my yeah. life easier. Mm-hmm. And the time I would have spent at the grocery store was spent getting extra work done, which, come on, I need all the time I can get Don't doing extra all. work. Don't we all? I love that for you, E. What I also love about every plate is that you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins, veggies, and sides to your liking. It's great. Yep. So get started with every plate for just $1.79 per meal, y'all, by going to everyplate.com and entering code OCT179. I'm going to say that again for y'all, America. Listen, get started with every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code OCT179. That's up to $104 value. That's good. Ooh, that's good. Go to everyplate.com, y'all. So you go through all of this. You went through the Taiwan LGBT Family Rights Organization. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you got your information, and then you decided based yeah, on so everything. Yeah, so we decided um, to go with a known donor, but then the issue is who? Um, right. And, and the other issue is that there are risks with that because, um, I don't know, I think it depends on the state, maybe in the states, but um, any man who is the biological father of a child could get custody if he can prove his paternity. Um, so in there Taiwan. Is, yeah, in Taiwan. So there's the risk with a known donor, like if he changes his mind one day once he sees how cute the baby is and decides, oh, I should be the father, then mm-hmm. he could legally try to fight for that and the law would be on his side. Even if you get like legal paperwork and he signs away his right, like that doesn't exist? Well, so he, he could give up his parental rights after the baby was born, but that would mean that uh, he was already on the birth certificate for that to happen. So we don't want that. Um, right. And we did sign a contract. We had a lawyer um, make up a contract with him, but that it technically has no legal holding and it totally is up oh, to each God. individual judge to decide whether or not to even acknowledge that that document exists. But wow. um, as far as I'm aware, after the second parent adoption for your spouse goes through, um, you're pretty much safe because, because you can they only have two they're not legal have parents. parents. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, that's scary. Yeah, and and I feel like for me in Taiwan, because Taiwan is is more of a traditional society when it comes to family, the idea of family. Like, there's a very mm-hmm. strong belief around family being based on blood. Um, mm-hmm. I think more so even than in the U.S. So the bigger mm-hmm. fear for me was not that we would find a man who might like betray us and try to get custody of the the child, but that if his parents were to find out that right. they would freak out and then try to like claim the grandchild. Um, so oh. it was- Because it's very generational as well. Yeah, exactly. In Taiwan, and, and in right. Taiwan, like there's a lot more focus on like you have to pass on the family line. Right, right. So like we're thinking we want to find a guy who's not interested in kids so that he doesn't wind up <laughs> wanting to steal our child. That's a good um, place to start. If, if he's not interested in kids, that means he's not having any of his own, which means that his parents may or may not have grandchildren by him. Or definitely not uh, by him and may or may not through his siblings. Right. Um, and then, so, th- then that makes that fear even bigger. Yeah, exactly. So we had to do a lot of thinking. This makes this search for Superman. This is like on a whole nother scale we're talking here. Like yeah. this is not just like choosing <laughs> choosing the donor. Uh, this is bigger. This is a lot bigger. So what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? 
Well, so we actually had this guy that we had had in mind for quite a while before we were ready to start trying. And my thinking was like, I don't want to tell him now and then like wait for two years before we're actually going to start because my wife and I really did start talking about kids very early on. Mm -hmm. As you do. Yeah. So we had him in mind for a very long time and then we asked him and he said yes very quickly. Um, But then... Uh, we realized like he was he was really hard to get on the phone when we were needing to talk to him about things mm-hmm. and he was really busy um, and then we were like we had talked everything through and we were going to have him go to the hospital and do like a health check to make sure that there was nothing wrong with him no you know STIs or mm-hmm. that everything with the sperm was okay and then he just like wasn't getting back to us he's just kind of ghosting yeah he was a little bit and then it, it turned out in the end that he just had way too much going on in his life and was like not yeah. really in a great place and so he wound up just saying like i'm sorry i don't think i can do this but it, it was right. like after we had been you know trying to approach him and trying to contact him even more that he said that and at that point we'd already like hit the point when we were when we had been planning to start trying mm-hmm. and then he just wasn't available so it was pretty disappointing and the thing is you know when you have to be doing it um, by yourself, not through a clinic, you need that guy to be available on the day that you're ovulating. Yeah, right, You can't have right. him be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm busy this week. Um, right, and so, did you buy like an ovulation kit for this? Yeah, yeah. We I used, mean, not like, an, the, uh, an insemination kit. We didn't actually. Uh, the Taiwan LGBTQ Family Rights um, Organization, they actually have this group on Facebook of uh-huh. trying to conceive or trying to build a family um same-sex couples uh-huh. and they actually have like these uh people share their successful stories of how they did home inseminations stories giving all the detail about what they used the tools that they used and how they did it and how they timed their ovulation and all of that so we just kind of referenced those things and did some of our mm-hmm. own research okay we're gonna get into that but first let's get to the don't let's figure okay so first guy falls through where yeah. do you go for- and i cannot wait to hear about how you guys made this happen Oh my yeah. goodness. So the first guy falls through. And then at that point, it's, it feels like a breakup. Um, it's like right. you had this person in mind and you had this whole, you know, relationship thought out and you'd invested a lot in it. And the idea of, you know, making a baby with this guy's sperm and then mm-hmm. it falls through and you're like, oh, my God, there's no one else in the world. Um, it's, mm. it's a lot like when you break up and think that you're never going to find someone again. Um, so we were kind of in that state and several months went by and I all of a sudden just thought about this other person. I, I spent so much time just like looking through my Facebook friends list, mm-hmm. <laughs> like trying to find the good looking men. And at that point we were trying to find gay men um, yeah. because we thought that that was just going to be easier for some reason. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, lesbians get along better with gay men than straight men, maybe. Um, I love gay men. I yeah. love them. And we do I too. a good queer man. So at, this, at one point I was like, oh, I never thought about him. He's a good option. He's really good looking. He's really sweet. And I feel like he might be into it. Um, so I messaged this guy and then we wound up meeting. Um, and the issue with him was that I knew that he loved kids. Mm. And so I wasn't sure if that was going to be an issue or not. And so mm-hmm. when I did approach him and we um, sat down together with my wife, I said to him, only say yes if you can 100% except that this baby is not and never will be yours. And if you cannot, you know, compartmentalize that and totally accept that, then, you know, tell us and be honest with us and we just won't do it. And so the first time that we talked to him, he said, you know, thank you for reminding me about that and I'll have to think about it. So like Mm -hmm. the first guy was like, oh yeah, sure. And he never really thought about any of the details. Right, Um, right. And the second guy was like, 
super earnest and thinking about everything and really thoughtful about it all. But in the end, he sent a message and said, you know, I've thought about it a lot and I don't think that I can do it because oh, I don't man. think that I can accept that this child has nothing to do with me. Oh, man. Heartbreak. Yeah. So that was another breakup Dang. kind of heartbreak. But you know what? Joelle, good for you. I, that must have been scary. I would be so scared to say before you do this, you just need to make sure. I mean, I guess you have to say it and you know you have to say it, but good for you for saying it. Yeah. And the other thing is like, I, I totally feel for the gay men, um, especially in Taiwan, because adoption still isn't an mm. option. It's like 10 times as expensive for them to have a biological child as it is for us because they right. don't have a uterus. Um, so I even said to him like, if five years from now, you and your boyfriend decide that you want kids and you realize that it's, you know, financially not an option for you, you cannot th at that point say, oh, I actually do have a kid. Right. Because right. you helped us. So, you know, I, I was kind of like doing all of those um, yeah. thought exercises for him and reminding him of those things. And in the end, you, you know, he realized that he wasn't really able to do that. So once again... We're totally back to the drawing board. Ugh. And I, I feel like I got kind of like creepy. I would just like constantly be looking at men in a different way, like a predatory way, almost <laughs> like, hmm, is he a good sperm option? So then at that point, we had just kind of like given up on the list of requirements that an ideal, you know, Superman would uh, fulfill. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I just was like, you know, he's got to be healthy and a nice person who we can trust and mm -hmm. not terrible looking. And that's all I care about. Right. Um, and you were we were looking for a Taiwanese yeah. man, though. Yeah, definitely. Because my wife is Taiwanese and we wanted mm -hmm. the baby to be reflecting us. And and all mm -hmm. of our community is Taiwanese. So it's not like it's a stretch to find that. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So in the end, it was actually someone who we'd known for um, longer than the other two guys. And we just never really thought about. And one day I was just like, hmm, what about him? And my wife and I talked about it a lot and we approached him about it and he was also really thoughtful about it and he said yes and we made it work and he was able to be accommodating of our schedule and it worked the second try. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And he was like, I'm good, hands off. I won't want anything to do with the baby, but I want to yep. do this thing for you. And are you the still thing that he friendly said with um, yeah. yeah, like he's he's not someone we see regularly. He's just sort of an acquaintance, but he's someone that we know well enough to trust. And the mm -hmm. thing that he said that made me think, okay, we can totally trust him and this is a perfect situation. He said, you know, to me, it's just like donating blood. When you donate blood, you don't ask who uses it and you don't ask what happens mm. to the blood. Okay. Like for him, wow. it's just like I did this thing and I'm done and it has nothing to do right. with me now. Everybody comes to this with such different stuff inside, you know? Yeah. And he even said, like, well, I'm not using it. So, you know, it's not going to waste if I give <laughs> you some. wasting it in the shower every day. I exactly. Mean. <laughs> yeah. So we just used, like, a needleless syringe. Like, you buy a syringe at a medical supply shop and uh -huh. you just, like, take off the needle part of it. Okay. I bought different sizes. Um, the first month we tried a five milliliter one because that mm -hmm. was enough for the sperm. He only had like three milliliters of the stuff. So in the end, we found that the 10 milliliter one was the better size. If you don't mind me getting graphic, it was the perfect length. Please get graphic. Um, the five milliliter one was enough to hold all the sperm. But the length, I well, I'm, I'm totally guessing here because it didn't work the first time and it worked the second time. Right, um, right. And the first time we used the five milliliter, the second time we used the 10 milliliter. Um, but I think the 10 was a better length for like actually getting the stuff right, right up, up to your where cervix. it needed to go. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's okay. all we did. Um, we actually, we didn't even like buy 
a special container for this stuff. Like we had him put it into like a recycled um, yogurt cup. Oh my god! And then this is amazing. You know, my wife, you know, pulled it into the syringe and put it in, and there you go. Okay, E, let's talk about ParentEducate.com. Let's do it. It is the go-to provider of research-based online parenting courses. Who doesn't need that? The online science-backed courses contain the same info as those taken by, get this, early childhood teachers. Hmm. ParentEducate.com's ever-growing course catalog includes 100-plus engaging online courses that cover a variety of topics, including behavior, development, nutrition, play, safety, and a lot more. Everybody needs this. From learning how the first three years of a child's life affect brain development to child passenger safety, we all want to be safe in our cars, come on, to learning positive discipline techniques, I could really use that. <laughs> ParentEducate.com has something for everyone. And it looks like each online course only takes about 20 to 30 minutes to complete. Every course That's is good. available 24-7 and... You can enjoy them at your own pace from any web-based device, including your mobile yeah. phone. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Allowing families to conveniently learn how to parent like a pro. And yeah. don't we all want to do that? Yes. I mean, I could use some help. And parents can sign up for a monthly, quarterly, or annual plan for as little as $4.99 a month. What? Providing unlimited access, unlimited, guys, to ParentEducate.com's extensive course catalog. That's great. And new courses are added each month with bonus material throughout the month. Yeah. And ParentEducate.com makes the perfect gift for new parents. What parent doesn't want a thoughtful gift that will help them raise healthier, happier kids? (laughs) Jamie, did you know that ParentEducate.com is offering 20% off the first month of a monthly subscription plan for listeners of the show? Go to ParentEducate.com and enter coupon code OCT at checkout. Yes, guys, do it. ParentEducate.com. Enter coupon code OCT at checkout to start being a good parent. (laughs) (laughs) To start. That's good. (laughs) Did you guys get to be one of the queer couples who actually had a little romance involved? We did, actually. Yeah, well, because we succeeded on the second try. So we didn't get to the point where we're like, oh, my God, we have to do this again. It's another month and it's not going to work. Um, right. Yeah. So, you know, it happened in our own bed uh, and we we got to have it be romantic. And the other thing is that this was happening. So Taiwan has been pretty much the best country in the world for COVID. Oh, really? We lived a, an almost completely normal life when the whole world was going crazy. Um, the borders Love shut. Ta- I'm moving to Taiwan. Oh, yep. I can't go. <laughs> um, yeah, the borders are still mostly closed. I don't want my COVID. Okay. Um, but actually when we were starting to try to conceive was when the first major domestic outbreak started happening. Mm. So we tried for the first time in April and in the middle of May is when the country went into the level three pandemic alert for the first time because there Mm -hmm. started to be domestic cases. And so we started not seeing anyone and we actually kind of did a socially distanced um, sperm donation because we just like <laughs> opened the front door. He came in and left his deposit on a table and texted my <laughs> wife to say he was gone. And she came downstairs for it. <laughs> yeah. But the crazy thing is that actually we would not literally would not have the baby that we have now if it wasn't for the pandemic, because um, I had thought that I was going to be ovulating on the Saturday um, mm-hmm. and we were going to be away during the week. And it turned out that I ovulated on the Wednesday when we would have been away, except Uh that our plans and the plans that our sperm donor happened to have that week all got canceled. 
because of COVID uh-huh. actually happening. So we were there when my ovulation happened, which is you know how we got pregnant. Thank you, COVID. Yeah. I just so. never thought you'd say that. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, that's great. And you didn't have to do anything special with the sperm. You didn't even have to like nope. keep it at a certain temperature. You guys really lucked out. Yeah, we did. Wow. Wow. I'm so happy for you. And Thank it's you. like really, literally the queer natural. This is as natural as you can get unless unless one of you, you know, were trans and you were able to really baby dance. Yeah. Um, this is the, well, we the got close queer- to baby dancing. You sure did. You baby danced. You baby <laughs> danced. Oh, I'm so happy for you guys. Yeah. Wow. I mean, after the long period of time and going through, you know, th- two guys before we wound up using the third, um, it was it was nice that it worked so quickly for us because the hard and part came before. And that's a good point, Joelle, because even as simple as your story is, it was the second try. It happened pretty easily. It still was not. It was not a smooth ride. It was not yeah. a smooth ride to get to that baby. Yeah, getting to the heartbreak. baby, it it took a while. Um, I mean, yeah. it it was like a two, pretty much two years in between um, asking the first guy and succeeding with the third guy. Right. Um, right. So I mean, I had felt ready before that point to start. Um, I think ultimately it really worked out for the best because I think we were in a much better place in our lives and in our relationship by the time it actually worked. We had actually just bought a house and moved in a few months before I got pregnant. Um, so it, it worked out really well in the end, um, but mm-hmm. it took a while. Hindsight. That's what we always say. Like once, once that baby's in your arms, once you have that baby, everything that you went through to make the baby kind of falls by the wayside because yeah, absolutely, it all happened. And, and a lot of times we say this, oh, I'm so happy this happened this way because I wouldn't have this or this happened this mm-hmm. way. Right? So um, for yeah. anybody out there who's, who's in the thick of this, just know. In the end, it's all going to be okay. Yeah. But man, what a ride. What a journey. Yeah. Well, now we have the baby, which is amazing because I I've wanted it for such a long time and he's so adorable and we're totally in love. Um, but <laughs> the challenge is not over in terms of what we have to go through as a yeah. queer family. Yeah. Talk about that because you you alluded to this in your email as well and I want to dig into this. Yeah, so um, most countries in the world are actually not the same as the U.S., where you just have to be born in the U.S. and you're automatically a U.S. citizen. Mm -hmm. Um, In most places, you have to have a parent who's a citizen in order to get citizenship, um, Uh, and that's the case in Taiwan. So, for example, if my wife was American, our our child would have no path to ever getting Taiwanese citizenship because we're both (sighs) Americans, but my wife is Taiwanese. Um, Mm -hmm. So if my wife were a husband... Or if she right. was the bio mom, so if she mm-hmm. had given birth to our baby, then he would automatically be a Taiwanese citizen at birth. But because I gave birth to him and we don't want the sperm donor's name on the birth certificate because we don't mm-hmm. want him ever recognized legally as a father, um, that means that our baby does not have a clear path to Taiwanese citizenship. Um, and so this is actually an issue that we'd been talking to lawyers about and to the um, Family Rights Advocacy Organization for years, um, even before we got pregnant, to, to kind of figure out what our options were. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, if we were a straight couple or if my wife had the baby, then our child could have dual citizenship, American mm-hmm. and Taiwanese. But given the situation of how he was born, uh, we had no clear path for him to become Taiwanese. But what the lawyers wound up figuring out is that if um, my wife completes the second parent adoption, then he would be eligible for Taiwanese citizenship through my wife being his official parent. Because 
One of the other holes in the same-sex marriage law is that there's no assumption of parentage based on marriage. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, for straight couples, you could have been, you know, having sex with anybody and you could have never been in bed with your husband and that baby would still automatically be his because you're exactly. married. Um, right. But for same-sex couples in Taiwan, there's no assumption of parentage. So my wife currently has no legal connection to the baby whatsoever, um, even though, you know, she put the sperm in me and she's right. been here all along the way. Um, and it was clearly a planned uh, pregnancy and all that. So the lawyers figured out that technically the baby would be eligible for Taiwanese citizenship once she has official parentage after completing second parent adoption. But the issue there is that in Taiwan, you can only be a dual citizen uh, if you're Taiwanese first. So, for example, if my wife were to immigrate to the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and then become a U.S. citizen at some point, she wouldn't have to give up her Taiwanese citizenship. She'd just be a dual citizen. And Taiwan Mm -hmm. would continue to recognize her as a Taiwanese person. Um, But for me, I'm already a U.S. citizen. If I want to become a Taiwanese citizen, no matter how long I've lived in this country, I would have to give up my American citizenship first before Mm -hmm. getting Taiwanese citizenship. So you have to be Taiwanese first in order to be a dual citizen. So the issue then with our baby is if we make him an American citizen first, then he would be in the same situation as me. He would have to give up his American citizenship in order to get Taiwanese citizenship. And then he could never be Yeah, and then he could never get the American back. But the issue, um, that's not even a possibility because the American government wouldn't let us give up uh. his American citizenship on his behalf, and he would have to wait until he was 16 to decide whether or not he even wanted to do that. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's super complicated. So what that means basically is um, if he were to be American first, which he's technically eligible for at birth, um, then he would never be able to become a Taiwanese citizen unless he decided to once he's an adult. So what are you going to do? So what our lawyers figured out is we wait until my wife's second parent adoption goes through before mm-hmm. getting his American citizenship. So right now he has no citizenship. Yep. So the, the answer is to have our baby be technically a stateless person for the first many months of his life. I didn't know you could life. do that. Yeah. Well, we didn't either. The lawyers figured it out for us. Um, so that's what we're doing now. And our it's baby- a scary place though. Yeah. Well, and for me, especially because of the pandemic, I- have not seen anyone in my family. My mom actually wound up getting a special permit to come into the country to be here um, for seeing her first grandchild. And she actually just left a few days ago. But I, I hadn't seen any of my relatives for over two years. And literally, wow. when my baby came out, he was the first blood relative that I'd seen in over two years. Holy shit. Because of COVID. Um, so for me, having our baby not have any citizenship means we can't leave the country. And so that means that even though the COVID situation is getting better in the States and we could technically plan a trip, we can't leave because our baby couldn't come with us. Jesus. So thank God for that. You can get second parent adoption. It's like they it's like they forgot about that loophole. (laughs) Yeah. It's like they messed up somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were a lot of people who were fighting to try to get a law that was going to be more complete and Mm -hmm. allowing us to have our families be protected. But in the end, they really had to compromise because Mm -hmm. um, it was either getting a sort of a compromised law passed or something much worse. Um, Right. So, so, yeah, we do have a path. Yeah. God. So how long is it going to take, though? 
So I actually saw something that you posted on social media recently that showed like your checklist of everything yeah, that you had yeah. to do. And you said it took yeah. like, what, how long? Like two years oh, to get all of that? It took me, it took like two and a half years. But I also, I'm just a procrastinator and I hate putting paperwork together. You can get it all done. I yeah. just took a long time gathering well, the freaking papers. I, I was actually really surprised when I saw what you posted because I thought that it wasn't as complicated and ridiculous in the States as it is in Taiwan, but it's well, pretty it's much gotten, the same. Well, a bunch of people commented and said, I just did it in New York. It was a piece of cake. So things are changing here. That was uh, two years ago when mm-hmm. I finally finished that. Yeah, um, well, that's and so, good And many know. people have come, like California, New York, have come around and made it a lot simpler. So mm-hmm. things have been changing for sure. Yeah. Well, that's good because in Taiwan, um, the process is the same exact process as like step parent adoption. So uh-huh. if you're marrying someone who already has kids and you want to adopt their kids, and I can understand why the process would be kind of involved in that yeah. kind of situation because you really want to know that that parent is going to be taking responsibility and has mm-hmm. the ability to do so. But for us, like, you know, come on, this baby is ours and has been from- We made it together. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we have to do all of that stuff, like prove, like giving all kinds of proof of income. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, because of our situation with the nationality issue is more complicated. We did hire lawyers yeah. to help us put all that together. The document that they submitted to the court is 28 pages long. Jeez. Yeah. And we actually like we were trying to be on top of it um, before the baby was born, because given the situation of him having to be stateless. Yeah. We wanted it to go as fast as possible, because for me, mm-hmm. like the end point where he actually where my wife's adoption goes through and he can get his citizenship. That's the next time that I can see anyone in my family mm. and go back to the States, which we, we did do like once a year. We would do visits before the pandemic. Um, So we actually, before he was born, we tried to like put all everything together. We were given like a checklist by that organization and we thought that we were on top of it. And then once we actually communicated with the lawyers after he was born, they were like, um, no, actually you still need to do all of these things and we need this and this and this. And you have to like update your picture, uh, document explaining the history of your relationship and all of that and use this format. And so in the first weeks after he was born, we were like trying to put all of that together and spent pretty much a whole weekend um, doing that. At that point, my mom was here, which helped because she could help help take care of the baby. But the baby. it's so invasive. Exactly. And my wife and I are private people. Like we don't post right. things about our family on social media. And we were Not just like, like why the hell do I need to tell a judge this detail about our life? Right. Right, um, yeah, right. it's just really uncomfortable and upsetting. And our lawyers, so the, the law firm that we work with is actually a queer law firm. Wow, um, Taiwan, so, come on now, Taiwan. Yeah. So the lawyers were like, we were in a meeting with them and they were like, okay, we know that this sucks and that it's not fair, but don't get angry at the social worker who comes to do right. your visit or don't get angry at the judge because that's not going to help your case. Right, and it's not, it's just yeah. the system. It's a system and ugh. Yep, it sucks. Um, so right now we're waiting for the notification from the court about the home visit. And then after that, um, we'll have the court hearing, but it could go on. It could be months. You just got to hunker down and and get through it. It sucks. We're not even a hundred percent sure it'll work. Like the plan that we've come up with because no one's ever done it before, but we're really hoping that it works because, you know, I, I can't imagine having our baby grow up in Taiwan and never getting to be a Taiwanese citizen. And then also for my family, having the baby never be able to be an American citizen. So like dual citizenship is really important for us. And it would have been automatic if we were straight. 
So the idea that we won't be able to get it is just so frustrating. Yeah. That's so annoying. But you're going to get there. You're going to do it. But um, geez, man, thank you for sharing this, Joelle. Like, yeah, my pleasure. What a beautiful freaking story. And I'm so happy for you. You guys got your baby. Thank you. And you're going to yeah. forge ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. That was great. That was that great. That was great. What a story. What a story. And Joelle, oh. like, Joelle talks fast and Joelle packs a lot in everything that she says. So I feel like I learned a lot from Joelle. And I really hope they get this um, citizenship thing figured out because, man, that sucks. That's a big deal. The things that we go through, really, the things that we go through. And never even thought of because, yeah. it's, you know, it's international questions. And yeah. I am always thinking domestic. But right. I'm jealous that Joelle speaks so many languages. Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, my gosh. I'm so behind. It's always been a dream of mine to speak Mandarin. Me too. Yeah. But, you know, like, I have decided that I want to go to Taiwan. It's World Pride in a couple years in Taiwan. Ooh. I think we, we should, should totally all go. We should, to go. Just like I said, make a whole queer community in Taiwan. I'm sure that's exactly what they want. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do a whole podcast there. Yeah. Okay. So, guys, make sure that you're following us on the social media. We are Ovaries Talk on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are If These Ovaries Could Talk on YouTube. And you can also support the podcast and join our community like we talked about earlier on Patreon at patreon.com slash ovaries talk. And that's where you're going to get that bonus content. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> that's the air horn, guys. It's, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to say a thank you to our sponsor, sponsors. Parent Educate, Every Plate, and Thrive Cosmetics. And of course, of course, of course, a huge thank you to all of you Patreons who are helping to make this show. We really, really thank you. Absolutely. And now, without further ado, I think you have heard enough of us yammering on, and you need to get on with your days. So we will close out this episode the way we always do with eggs. Ovaries. Out. Out. Okay, Helen, we can... We can close it down now. We can shut it. Okay. okay. All right. Okay, Helen. Thank you, Helen. Oh, she great. loves you. If these ovaries could talk, they would say, eggs, ovaries, out. Okay, guys, we just wanted to share something that Joelle and her wife May sent. May recorded a little clip of her experience, you know, coming out as gay in Taiwan and having a baby with Joelle and what it's been like for her. And it's really sweet. A really sweet little clip because um, Joelle translates for her and it's really, I really like it. I don't know. What were your thoughts, E? I love it because it's bringing in, in an international mm-hmm. understanding of our families that I, I didn't think about, honestly, before. But it's comforting to know that families everywhere are yeah, going through yeah. the same thing. Similar things. Or similar things. Like we've got, we've the, got same the same struggles. struggles, but there's hope. But then some are not but, yeah, the same. Right. Yeah. Some are not. But I don't want to give yeah. it away. Yeah. I don't want to give it away. Bottom line is we're everywhere. We are everywhere. Um, so let's just play this clip so you guys can hear it. It's really sweet. 关于当妈妈这件事，其实并不在我的人生规划里面，包括身为女同志，可以在台湾结婚。Becoming a mother actually wasn't a part of my life plan. Being a lesbian and being able to get married and start a family in Taiwan are all things that came as a surprise to me. 当今天我能够抱着我心爱的孩子和Joe一起经营一个家。now, being able to hold and love this baby and have this family with Joe is a joy beyond words. We've been able to build this family because of the support of the environment around us and the support and love of both of our families. 
，包括长期以来我们一起听卵巢节目。呃，严格说起来呢，是 Joe 听完之后再详细的翻译给我听。Of course, it also took a lot of work on our parts, which included listening to a lot of if these ovaries could talk. Well, actually, Joel listened for me and then translated episodes for me in great detail. We've gotten so much useful information and heard so many moving and funny stories from this show, and it has even inspired us to want to make a Chinese version of the podcast to provide the kind of community and support that we felt to those who need it here in Taiwan.、Uh, but we've got our hands full at the moment. 总之，谢谢这个节目。Anyway, thank you so much for making this show.